Thanks for tuning in to the Glenridge Church message. It's great to have you with us. Our mission is to love God, love people, and live to change the world. If we can help you in any way, feel free to reach out to us on hello at glenridge.org.za. Taking ground and not holding ground. We're in a season of advancing, not retreating. And uh, we're in a season of not st- being stationary and, and kind of and kind of waiting for things to happen, but actually we're in a place of advancing. I loved all the words that came tonight of actually God can give you things, but you've got to take hold of them. And I want to talk a little bit about that this evening as we, as we transition into a series next week, next week on, uh, the, on Joshua. And uh, because Joshua is that book of taking ground, of God uh, moving the people transitioning leadership from Moses to Joshua and take and it's a people that are coming out of Egypt now taking them into the land and there's two different ways that you cut it's a different kind of philosophy a different posture that you need for those two activities so we're going to just have a quick look at that for those that don't know me my name is Stan Stan I'm one of the pastors in this in this church and it is an absolute delight if you're visiting with us I trust that you get a great cappuccino, but more than that, that you have a great conversation with somebody from this church, because we love having visitors, and we love having people come and visit us. So if you could uh, turn to the book of Joshua um, in your Bibles, and uh, we're going to have a look at, at what this, just a, kind of a little bit of an intro into the book of Joshua as we get, we'll get stuck into it next week. But I just, I was reading this this morning and I thought, actually, you know what, we've got to, we've got to kind of deal with some things here because in this transitionary period, there, there's some great lessons that I think God teaches us through, through Moses onto, into Joshua. And uh, this, this season of taking ground, basically what it is, it's actually a season of, of taking hold of the promises of God, of inheriting of, of taking hold of those promises that were spoken, but now actually moving into them and taking hold of them. Promises need possessing. If you don't possess them, they just stay promises. They just stay potential. But actually, there's a place where we partner with God in relationship with Jesus, and we take hold of these very things that He's called us to and uh, promised to us. So let's have a look at Joshua. If you're in Joshua, just go to the page before that in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 34, verse, um, in fact, I'm from 34. We'll read the whole of 34. It's very short. So it says this, Then Moses climbed Mount Nebo from the, from the plains of Moab to the top of Pisgah. Jeepers, what a name that is. Across from Jericho. There the Lord showed him the whole of the land from Gilead to Dan, all of Naphtali, the territory of Ephraim, and Manasseh, all the land of Judah, as far as the Western Sea. The Negev, the whole region, from the valley of Jericho, the city of Palms, as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land that I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When I said, I will give it to your descendants, to your descendants, I, will, I have let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over into it. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord had said. He buried him in Moab, in the valley opposite Beth Poor. But to this day, no one knows where his grave is. It's unbelievable. This incredibly famous guy 
Nobody knows where he's buried. It's actually of no concern where he's buried. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were, were, were not weak, nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. I'll get back to that now. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all the miraculous signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and all the officials and the whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. Joshua chapter 1. After, jo after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' Moses' assistant. So the Lord addresses this guy. He's identified as Moses' assistant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the, the desert, of, uh, desert to Lebanon and from the great river Euphrates to the Hittite country, to the great sea on the west country. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. In, that, in, in the end of Deuteronomy, going into, jo into the book of Joshua, you have this incredible picture of God promising Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob something that was given to, that Moses continued with. And so when he speaks to Moses, he says, you can see everything I've promised you. You're not going to walk in. Somebody else is going to lead the people in. But what I promised to Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac, I'm going to give to you and your descendants. And what happens is God puts this promise in place, this ancient promise, a promise that was way back. But you see, God is always faithful to His promise. doesn't matter how old the promise is, the power of the promise is always over our lives. What we've got to do is to take hold of that promise. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't put, I, kind of, I wasn't thinking about this at Christmas um, when, when I preached at, over, over the Christmas period. And I preached on Christmas as a, as a time when God's promise came to earth. When this child Jesus, this boy Jesus, because actually Jesus coming as a baby to earth wasn't the powerful thing. The promise was that he would, be, would live a life and would die a death and be raised to life so that all would walk into something. That was the promise. But the potential of the promise of Christ as a baby was given to us in Christmas. But for that promise to come into be, Mary had to play her part and say, yes, everything's impossible with everything that we think is impossible is possible with God and actually I'm up for it as a, as a 14 or 15 year old girl and Joseph who who had to play his part and and take a blow to his reputation and marry this this woman that was already pregnant and everybody sniggering and sneering and saying Joseph are you mad my bud what are you doing either you did that 
which wasn't right, or somebody else did that, which is even worse for you. What are you doing? And God speaks to him and says, no, 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 you will take Mary as your wife because what she carries is from me. And you see, these people have to play their part in the promise. They've had to play their part and undergo a loss of reputation to take hold of a promise. She had, Mary has to overcome, Lord, what, why me, who me, what, it's impossible, how can this be? No, 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 with me, everything is possible, Mary. And I want you to live in the promise of the impossible with me. You see, they've got to take hold of this. And what we see here in the beginning of, at the end of Deuteronomy, beginning of Joshua, is this very thing coming into being. And so what we see here, first of all in Deuteronomy, is that for us to take hold of the promise of the next season, we have to grieve the end of the last season. Unless we say goodbye to the last season, we'll never take hold of the next season. Friends, many of us live in a world where we are so caught up in our past and the failure of our past. Imagine, imagine Moses I've done all this, I've put up with these people, but I'm never going to enter and I'm just going to have a look at it. But there's another guy, this guy called Joshua, who's going to take these people in. And imagine the people who now are looking at Moses, he's performed these signs and wonders, it's just this incredible man of God. And they have to grieve Moses' death and they have to grieve the end of that last season. Believing this, that even though, they, even though Moses is dead, the promise is very much alive. And for us, for many of us, friends, some of us, this grieving process is incredibly important. I actually think in Western culture we don't grieve well. You know what we do? We do what we do is we say um, we, we want to have a, a, a memorial services. Hey, guys, this is going to be a celebration of life, and we don't want it to be dull, and we don't want it to be all sad and all those sorts of things, which are, on one hand is a wonderful thing, but there's a place where you have to mourn and grieve. I think African culture does it way better and more biblically where there's a moment, there was 30 days here, where there was mourning and grieving. But when the, after 30 days was done, the mourning and grieving was done, and the last season was done. In fact, I don't even know where he's buried. There's, there's, there's land to come. There's, there's a future to come. And it's not dependent on Moses. It's depend, and it's not dependent on Abraham. And it wasn't dependent on Jacob. And it wasn't dependent on Isaac. It was dependent on what Jesus said and what God said. And so what we see here is this new season needs us to mourn the old season well and to finish the old season well. The next thing we see this, and I think this is a, this is a great text for particularly leaders of organizations, businesses, churches. It's amazing here what it says. It says Moses was 120 years old and he died, yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. Friends, you know when transitions, trans, 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 leadership transitions need to happen when the leadership has still got lots of vision and physically strong and able. What often happens is leaders transition because they have to, because they've lost vision and have got weak. But actually, biblically, what we should be doing is there should be transition when the eyes are strong and the body is strong, and actually we're saying, my season's done, it's the next season for the next generation to run. That's a better way to transition churches and businesses and all sorts of things. 
Also, we see here, there's always continuity between the old season and the new season. It says there, Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses has laid hands on him. You see, the, the promise doesn't change. The power to perform the promise doesn't change because the Spirit of God is the same. So the same thing that was on Moses comes on to Joshua so that the promise can continue, even though the, 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 the context becomes different. There's always continuity between the old season and the new season. Moses was unique. There was none like him. Joshua was never going to be like Moses. Joshua was never meant to be like Moses. Joshua was never going to face Pharaoh, but Moses was never going to face Jericho. Joshua was never going to take people out, or out of slavery. He was always going to take people into inheritance. Two very different leaders, two very different contexts, very different battles to fight, but the same promise and the same God taking them through the promises. You see, friends, the promise of God always transcends leadership. It always transcends leaders. It always transcends context. It always, it, it, the promise of God is above everything, friends. It transcends these things, and we can decide to take hold of it or not. We can decide to step into it or not. And I, and I want to suggest to us, we're in a season of taking hold of promises. We're in a season of contending for the promises that God's given us. Because He will never leave us and He'll never forsake us, He says here. I love, I love this text, this part here, and He says, So the Israelites listened to Him and did, and did what the Lord commanded Moses. Isn't that quite strange? Imagine going, you're going to the new leader of the people, and he says, actually, I want to, the Lord did everything that the people, the people did everything that the Lord commanded Moses, not Joshua, Moses. You see, there's this continuity between old and new as we transition from one to the next, from one place to the next into the inheritance. Promises, friends, even transcend our weaknesses. The promises of God transcend our failures. Look at Moses. Moses, speak to the rock, or strike the rock, and he does it. The next time he gets frustrated, and God says, now speak to the rock, and he strikes it, and God says, no, you're wrong. You're getting frustrated with the people in the midst of your weakness. But you know what? The promise doesn't change, friends, over your life. The promise doesn't change. It's our ability to take hold of that promise in faith that must be activated. You see, this church in 1982 was planted by a couple called Chris and Meryl Vinat. It was a small, there was 30 people, 30 or 40 people. They weren't fancy people, mostly a bunch of creatives, hippies, if you want to put them that way. It was a small group of people. There was nobody special. Chris was not a particularly good preacher. He became a good preacher. He wasn't a particularly good preacher. He had never read the Bible through. So you see, this church was planted by God, not by Chris and Meryl. The, promise of, the promises of God over this church was not put in place by Chris and Meryl. It was put in place by God and His purposes. Because God decided that the city of Durban needed this group of people to be in its midst. And then, Rory, and then Chris hands over to Rory and Maldiah. 
and the chair, that we build this building. You see, Chris didn't fight the fight of building a building. Chris fought the fight of pioneering a culture and a DNA and a radicalness into people. Rory comes with his gift. He gathers people and has to fight the fight of finding a place to meet. And he builds a bu- that we build a building, this building. And one of the great dangers, one of the great dangers of building a, bu- a building is that we start to think that the church is a building and not a people. And Christmas Day, the church was the people because we didn't have a building. But now we've got a building and now all of a sudden the church is the building and we come to church instead of actually know the church comes to celebrate together. And then Rory hands over to Ryan and, and Mel and they transition and they move things around and Ryan and Mel, Mel hand over to Heather and myself to lead this team. But you know what, friends, and I'm talking about the captains of the, of the, of the, the leaders of the eldership team that lead the church but what I'm actually trying to say, it's got nothing to do with those people and who leads the church. It's got to do with the promise of God over this church and this people. Because God's got a plan for us that we've got an inherit. And I can tell you, friends, this year is going to be a year of faith, not fear. It's going to be a year of us courageous, strong and courageous. I was saying this morning, if you read Joshua three times in the first, ver- in the first, first few verses, he says, be strong and courageous. Then he says, be strong and very courageous. And then you start to think, oh my gosh, what's coming? Why do I have to be strong and why do I have to be courageous? And then he goes on and he says, and be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. And then you're absolutely terrified. What's happening? What are we going to do? What are we going to face? What's happening? Friends, but he says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And he prepares the people to inherit. How's this, friends? This afternoon, a man and his wife were on sabbatical at the leader church in Joburg, and they, 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 they came to Glenridge over the Christmas period. And on the 23rd, the Sunday of the 23rd, I was hosting the meeting, and I met them, and we were chatting. And this afternoon, he sends me this prophetic word for Glenridge. He says, Stan, this is what I, and he writes this. This is what he says. I believe the Lord is unblocking the wells for Glenridge. Stan, when you spoke about that morning, when you spoke about calling and, this, and significant encounters with God, I heard the Lord say that He has also made significant encounters with Glenridge Church, and there's an amazing calling on that church. While you were praying for people's calling, I heard, I heard the Lord remind Glenridge that, that just like a, train, like a train station, this church will receive many people and send many people. Receive many resources and send many resources. It truly is a base church with, with established connections, in brackets, railway tracks. Airports and bus stations don't have fixed lines connecting them from one city to the other. Train stations do, and I believe that there are cities.
called to be a radically worshiping church. Radical. Joshua, in this new season, friends, of taking ground, is called to face new challenges and situations, but carry the same promise. And what happens, friends, if we stop pioneering and we stop moving forward, what happens is we stop being pioneers and we become settlers. You know, it's so easy for settling people to become lukewarm. In fact, I think that the, the, the end result of a settler is slavery. Because what happens is we get in bondage to our comfort we get in bondage to the, to, the, to, the, to the kind of status quo that, we, that we're in. We, we, become, we become comfortable. We, we love the certainty of it. And we get enslaved to the certainty. And we become a settler instead of a pioneer. This church has got pioneering all work that the Father had given him. You see, success, friends, is to do the will of the Father and to become the person he's called you to become. We become the people that we call to become and do the will of what he's called us to do, friends, both of those things. That's success. And we are so formed by that, friends, this church, and I'm speaking to myself here, friends, we are not to be interested in numbers. Be interested in what God's saying and do what He says and let God take care of the rest. You know, healthy things grow. All you've got to do is build something healthy and it will grow. If you concentrate on growth, you don't necessarily get health. But if you concentrate on health, you automatically get growth. And, God, that's, and that's what God has called this church to be. The promise of God over this church is that this is a seedbed of leaders that will plant churches in multiple nations, impact cities all over the world, through business people, through all sorts of people, coming together under the kingdom and working together in unity and, in, and under one mind and one spirit and impacting and changing the world. That's what's on this church's life. And friends, this year, every single one of us, I believe, has got to step into what God has for us and begin to contend for it including us as a church, as a body. There are new challenges, friends, in this new land. There are things called giants that make us feel like grasshoppers. And we can shrink back. There's cities called Jerichos with impregnable walls, 
impossible to defeat. How are we going to fit? How are we going to win this battle? Now, there's a God that said that that's our land, and he will, never, he will be with us and never leave us or forsake us. You see, there's new ways. In the old days, in the, in the desert, God provided manna and quail. You didn't have to do anything. All you had to do is go and collect it. It fell on the floor. Pick it up. In fact, you only had to pick up for that day. If you picked up for more, it went off. You see, in the new, in the new land, you've got to plow, and you've got to work, and you've got to plant, and you've got to water, and you've got to trust God for the growth. In the new land, you don't have to, they didn't have to fight battles then. They were in a desert. Nobody wants to live in a desert. They have to fight for out of, nobody's like saying, oh, I want your, your patch of desert. No, 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 you, that's transitionary. In the promised land, you've got to fight for what God has for you. You've got to have faith for what God has for you. And everything about tonight's worship and the words that come are speaking into that directly. Open your gates, O heavens. Step into what God has for you. You see, for Joshua, there was also a change of responsibility and authority. It's amazing that, that, that first verse in Joshua after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He's described as Moses' assistant. But you know what? For the promise of God to become a reality for the people of God, the assistant needed to become a leader. It's amazing. I just love that Moses' assistant. Moses is dead. And he said to Moses' assistant, now you, my boy, you're going to take the people in. And friends, if we live with an assistant mentality, you'll never reach the promises of God. You are a leader in God. Everybody is a leader if you know how to hear from Jesus. Everybody. There's nobody that is an assistant. We're all leaders in God's that serve one another, that serve him. I was saying this morning, imagine if you um, could predict the future as everybody does, Bill Gates does, and everybody that's got a business, they're trying to get the, the cutting edge into the future of what's happening so that they can be leading in their industry. Nations need these, these visionary people that are able to see something of the future and begin to speak that to the people so that the people can inherit and walk into that. Friends, every single one of us has the creator of the universe inside of us. That knows the beginning from the end, that is outside of time, that is all-powerful, that is all-knowing, that is all-present, that is everything, and we have him to draw on. You're going to bet that you've got enough substance and you've got enough wisdom to lead yourself and to lead others. You are a leader. And I want you to understand, I want us to understand this. Every single one of us is called to lead. You're called to lead your own life, you're called to lead your own family, and you're called to lead others around you towards Jesus and what he has for them. And nobody's got an excuse not to. We've actually got to grow up. We've got to grow up in God and say, you know what, God? You put me on this planet for a purpose. I'm not a mistake. Actually, you put me on this planet with a purpose. You have a create, I have a creative, a, a created value that he put in me that needs to be exercised to its power to, so that the potential that was put in, my, in, in me, the thing that God had in his mind when he created me, becomes a reality on this planet. 
And Lord, I want to walk into that. You see, that's what it means. That's what it's going to take to take hold of the promises. It means getting over our insecurities. It means getting over our fears and getting over ourselves and saying, Jesus, you are bigger than me and you're bigger than what people have said about me. You're bigger than what people have boxed me into. And Father, take off the shackles, take off the boxes, take out the words and put me on the path that you called me to be. And we'll take hold of the promises of God. There's a change of responsibility and authority. I love what this text says, is that nobody is left out. It's for you and for all the people. Some people have been in this church for 20 years. Some people have been in this church for, they've come tonight, so probably if they got you at six, you've been in here for an hour and a half. I want to tell you, it doesn't matter whether you've been in this church for an hour or whether you've been in this church for 20 years, the promises for all of us. Because those of us that, are, that, were, that were here in the, in the early days that built this building, that sacrificed, that paid, that just saw God come through in powerful ways and providing, actually you that come, here, that come into this and you're new to this and, you, and you, haven't, you haven't fought those battles, don't worry, we've got some more to fight. You're not going to lose out. But actually come and enjoy who we are. Come and enjoy the battles that of the previous generation. Stand on the shoulders of the previous generation and let us reach into the future so that God can take hold of what God, and we can accomplish what God's got for us. Because you know what? After us comes another generation that needs us to fight our battles. And parents, and, uh, and parents leave an inheritance for their kids. So this generation is to leave an inheritance for the next generation. And their, their responsibility is to leave an inheritance for the next generation. You see, you leave an inheritance, they've still got their own battles to fight, they've still got their own things to do, but at least they do it from a place of inheritance, not of lack. And that's what this generation is called to do. And, that, and we've got to think generationally like that. Nobody is left out. And lastly, in verse 3, it says this. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. And when he spoke to Moses, he says, I'll give you every place that you set your foot, as I promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You see, now Joshua's added on to that. And after Joshua comes the next generation, and 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 eventually Greg Wiggily's on that, and Paul Spooner's onto that, and Kathy Manisi's onto that, and Christian Brennan comes, name's added on, and it's all coming in because God promised there, and we start to reap here, and we continue to believe for what God has for us. Wherever you put your feet, I will give to you, and he says, your territory will extend. Friends, God is not double-minded in what he's promised. He's not uncertain of the boundaries of the inheritance that he's given us as a church and given you as a person. He's not uncertain about that. He says, I will give that to you. I've promised that. Now put your feet there and take hold of it. The problem is to put your feet there, we've got to cross a river. That's impossible. How are we going to do that, God? To, get it, to, 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 to put your feet there, a whole generation of people had to die in the desert because they were faithless and full of fear and believed that the giants were unconquerable. And now these new people, these new kids that are born, and all they know is desert life. And, but there's, a, there's, there's Caleb there. 
He was a guy that had faith to take on those giants. And he has to teach this next generation that actually, you know what, guys? We're going to cross this river. I'm not exactly sure how it's going to happen, but God will make a plan. We're going to cross this river, and we're going to hit this land running, and we're not going to look back. You see, God is not uncertain about what he's given us, but it needs us to take hold of what he's given us. It needs us to be strong and courageous. And I trust for every single one of us, friends, that there would be a watershed moment in this next season. We would grieve the past and let go of the past and take hold of the future. You've got to let go of this. If you keep holding on this, it's going to keep you here. You've got to let go of that and in between take hold of that so that you can get into what God has for you. And friends, that place, can I just, can I just put it out there? If you want to do that, it's sacrificial. It's not easy. There's battles to fight. There's ground to work. But friends, I want to tell you what. It's a land of milk and honey. It's a land of feasting. It's a land of festivity. It's a land of unbelievable provision. It's a land of incredible resource. It's a land of incredible promise that generation after generation can flourish in. But man, there's a fight to fight, and there's a price to pay. And I believe that God in this season, in this season, I think He's speaking to us as a church, that we're in that season. And are we going to look at this book of Joshua? Are we going to see how do we do that? How do we do that together, and how do we do that personally? How do we step into it, friends? Some of you are going to relocate nations. And you're going to think, Lord, wow, how? No, because I told you to. Some of you are going to say no to promotions because that's not the right thing to do. Because God wants me here. Some of you are going to take promotions even though you think you're not qualified and you don't know how you're going to do that thing. But you're going to do it because God told you to do it. You see, it's the promises of God that's got to guide us. Got to get back to the promises of God and say, God, what is the promise over my life? What is the promise over our life? Let us step into it with strength and courage over this next season. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.